This episode is brought to you by Roundtable Group, the experts on experts. We've been connecting attorneys with experts for over 25 years. Find out more at roundtablegroup.com. Welcome to Discussions at the Roundtable. I'm your host, Snowball. And today I'm excited to welcome Dr. Edwin Hernandez to the show. Now, Dr. Hernandez is the founder of EGLA Corp, a full-service IP and tech consulting and investment firm, and EGLA Vader, a tech incubator and accelerator. He's an expert in AI and machine learning uh wireless software technologies, and serves on uh, multiple IEEE boards. Dr. Hernandez holds a PhD in computer engineering from the University of Florida. Let's jump into it. You've had an impactful tech career with a wide range of accomplishments. Um, How did you first get started as an expert witness? I began in 2014. A friend of mine is a professor at the University of Florida, and he was unable to take care of one case. So he says, like, uh, recommended me to take care of the case. I successfully was able to help this customer in a trade secret matter. And um, so everything began. Did you get any uh, mentorship from your friend? Did you have some idea of what to expect for your first couple of times as an expert witness? Or were you kind of just thrown into it? No, I, I actually had a pre- prior experience where I was a uh, kind of like an expert, not precisely uh, on the full flesh. Uh, it was my own patent case. And then in that oh, case, okay. I learned the, the tricks of the of the, of the the game, basically, like all the the filings, the motions, and have everything worked in um, in uh, Federal Circuit. Uh, anything that you'd care to share? Any of those tricks of the trade that might be helpful to uh, others, particularly newer expert witnesses who are just getting started? Well, I will say that the main thing for an expert is to really um, stick with something very fundamental, the truth. So if you search, if you stay truthful, you stay with the truth, you stay with the facts, and you say something factually based, that you have some sort of a basis, either that uh, could be um, corroborated by, by um, some sort of uh, your knowledge, your experience, if you have a vast amount of experience in certain fields, uh, even in those cases, you need to to start pointing out in the right direction to factual data that you find from the discovery. Which discovery means that you're identifying all the all the facts of the case. So I think that's that would say that's the main thing to stay um, um, uh, valid to say in this business. Otherwise, uh, quickly, it will be that word motion and most likely have some issues there. Let's talk about those calls. So somebody calls you on the phone, says, I'm looking for an expert witness. What are the sorts of questions that they ask you? And what are the sorts of questions that you ask them to determine if it's going to be a good engagement or not? Well, the main thing that I ask or I get asked for is uh, uh, my background. What have I done in the past? What kind of cases I've been working on? And um, and basically challenges that I had in, in different circuit cases where I had um, motions to strike, that were hearings and things like that. And have I survived those? Basically, that's been mostly one because I have too many cases in my in my pocket. So then, uh, and, and I will say that that's a, a one of the things I get asked a lot, and I ask always the question is, what's the time frame? 
because as you know, sometimes they call you like, oh, you need a report in like a month and you need to review <laughs> like uh, thousands of pages of something. And I cannot draft like an opinion on something in, in, in a very short period of time because I'm not full time using that case, right? Even if I was in that case full time, it will require ample of time to get used to it. That's something that I've heard from a lot of my interviewees that they get a lot of calls for kind of rush jobs. Like, I need you to read six trillion pages and I need a report on it tomorrow. You, you need to request an extension of time. And sometimes they do, sometimes I've, I'm in a rush to, the main thing that you have to calculate is how many patents that you have to review, how many, how many pages of code, software, technical specifications are behind each of those patents. And then, um, okay, can that be done at the time for them in requesting to be done? Because um, many times, I wish we have an AI tool that could just see that and say, like, look, don't do it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's too much. But, uh, um, but those far, I think it's still like, a, like, a, like an expert estimates on time is uh, because you need to commit to, to, I mean, people don't understand. It's not writing the report. It's surviving the, 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 the summary judgment and surviving the, the entire depot, right? That's, that's the main thing. Sure. You, you know, you mentioned AI and obviously you're an expert in AI. Uh, where are we going with AI? What does the future hold in AI? Is it, is it a passing trend or, or is it something that, that's here to stay? Has Pandora's box already been open? Well, to be honest with you, I, I, I joined a, the AI revolution in, in 2000 and, and, uh, and 1996 to 2000 time when um, I was part of the machine intelligence lab at the University of Florida. And I began learning everything on machine learning, then neural networks and, and uh, Lisp, and all kinds of different paradigms that existed at the time. And uh, for so many years, I actually uh, never uh, surfaced that expertise because it looked like it was a joke. It looked, it, it looked, it, you look less serious. You said, I'm a robotics expert. I'm, a, I'm an AI expert. 2000 to 2010, that was like, uh, that, that was most likely like a, a, a recipe for a disaster interview or in any job or consulting job. <laughs> you would not be taken seriously because AI was not, uh, <laughs> was not really work. And recently with the GPT changes, and and if you, if I saw the GPT substantially, I believe that, um, the changes made are, are not fundamental to a complex artificial intelligence paradigm. It's just uh, uh, basically very smart ways to, to twist and turn the way you use data. And that twist and turns that it was done with GPT, it, let's say like, a, it, it's like, a, like a, some sort of like encoding mechanism say, to, to review the data, that, uh, that's coming to, to open new, new ways and new uh, language language models, large language models that are 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 being accommodated to to the future. So I think what 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 the open the Pandora box well not necessarily like I think is uh, AI per se because uh, you can make AI very complex is the way those engineers creatively connected AI with basic functionality that existed in the past uh, in 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 encoding and some other practices that connected the two dots and then now we have this new revolution with GPT models and 
It's it's quite a broad topic. How do you remain an expert in your yeah really multiple fields? What do you do to stay on top of everything with all of this cutting edge technology that's changing sometimes it's very rapidly, sometimes on a daily basis? Uh, what does it mean to be an expert in your field? Well, I mean, I think I would recommend if you want to remain an expert, number one is to attend conferences. Technical conferences from IEEE, join uh, um, the, the, the technical committees in different conferences, review papers, recent papers from people that will keep you updated. Number two is attend uh, um, events like consumer electronic shows, mobile war congress, uh, national association broadcasting show. So then you attend those conferences and then you see what's going on at the time, technically, the state of the art. And um, I, in my case, I run an incubator, so we incubate companies. So then uh, we invest in different startups. So I see a plethora of like maybe, well, in December has been kind of sluggish. I've been doing all those things, but let's say in this 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 2023, I, I reviewed maybe like around 80, 80 to 100 business plans, 80 to wow. 100 ideas. I spoke with multiple people in different events. So then you get up to speed to see what people are going through with the technology where I mean, you, 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 in, in five, in, in 30 seconds, you know, the idea is, is, is novel or not. And then, uh, obviously like being in all these patent cases is, uh, keeps you up to speed, keeps you updated because you get to see, uh, a source code, you get to review the, uh, schematics, you get to review, um, multiple things that, uh, make, make yourself be current in cutting, in cutting edge. Let's jump back into some of the specifics of your expert witnessing work. Have you worked for both the plaintiff and defendant side? I have, actually. I have worked for a defendant and plaintiff. In the plaintiff side, I think it's been a lot of patent cases. In the, on, on the defendant side, I had uh, some trade secret background on a trade secret matter. And my job was to demonstrate that uh, the evidence shown was not a trade secret, Obviously, I cannot discuss the details because it was under a protective order. And um, I was really surprised, very, very interestingly, because court reviews usually take a long time. And you have to travel to a law firm and be what is called in a, in a clean room environment where you don't have your laptop, you don't have your phone. They had a very interesting tool. They had a biometric tool that you will, they will run your biometrics. And then you will see on a PC, actually, you will connect to, to a remote site. And then if you will turn your, your head to the right or to the left for, a, for way too long, then it will log out. And then it will track how many minutes you were, you were reviewing the code. Uh, well, I mean, the tool didn't allow me to move the head to the right or to the left. So I don't think it, either the tool was wrong or I reviewed 17 hours of code, right? But uh, uh, obviously, like, like I said, like, you, you have to be very concentrated. Very like um, You need to concentrate your efforts in your mind to really, really help the customer review that data that is being presented to you in a very thorough way. Because like I said, the deposition time is when you have to have the most amount of knowledge to defend your position because uh, depositions is not, you don't win anything. I mean, you're trying to not to lose. That's kind of like the game in deposition. So, so I think that's, um, that's very interesting uh, how I, um, I came about uh, helping both plaintiffs and defendants in uh, in cases uh, and in uh, trademark trade secret cases, patent cases, um, and um, and copyright violations in some cases where technology is involved in most of those uh, uh, situations.
Have you found yourself working on teams with other expert witnesses? What are those interactions like? Yes, I did. Actually, in the last case, I was uh, with uh, uh, two more experts. Usually, you have to have a damages expert, and I am a technical expert, so that you have a team right there. Uh, the damages expert will rely on my expertise to do some of, of their calculations, for example. Um, and in some other cases, I am a part of a team of two or three experts where we review uh, multiple patents. I, they assign three or four to me, three or four to the other guy, and then and whatever. And then we both uh, have to collaborate because in some cases, the patents are, are, are interconnected. They have similar claims. They have similar technologies. We're reviewing the same evidence. So obviously, whatever I propose in some cases as part of the solving one of the claims needs to be uh, involved with the with the other experts. Well, to really uh, get to an agreement, yeah, that's the path to go, or or that's too much risk because of uh, whatever. Arguments are being made on and invalidity as well. That's you, as you know, is a is a is a is a big uh, <laughs> gamble, right? Validity and 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 infringement are usually uh, are very tied together. Right, of course. And when you're working with another team of experts, you're talking about collaboration. Are you also collaborating with the attorney? Do you feel like you're you know all kind of a team? Of course, attorneys are, are are great. I mean, I usually would like the attorney to tell me more of the legal side of the story, what arguments are being said by the other side, uh, non-infringement arguments, for example. Sometimes the non-infringement arguments are ridiculous, are very, um, they're not even possible to be technically done. So my job is to help the attorney under understand what, what's uh, within the boundaries of that. And obviously, then uh, assist counsel with uh, discovery as well. Sometimes discovery comes, could become really problematic. I have one case that um, I, I, I discovered that they were hiding information. And then uh, attorneys were able to, to get the information even a few years later. And, um, and then uh, obviously, the, those attorneys will get sanctioned because of my discoveries. And I was right because that was the suspicion that I had about the, the hiding of the information was true. And the evidence showed in a supplemental report that there was a lot of evidence that was missing from the production initially. And those attorneys and that client, that um, the opposite, op, op, opposite uh, client, uh, will, I don't know if they received sanctions, but there was a motion for sanctions uh, because of, of that, um, uh, failed to produce uh, important documents. Wow, that's that's uh, that's an amazing story. Um, have you had situations like that happen a lot? Yeah, I have one right now actually. I just uh, and then and then yesterday actually we received uh, um, I had a Daubert he hearing for that particular case. And in fact, uh, uh, they were questioning uh, my expertise to uh, determine some percentages and um, some of the facts for the case that they were being challenged. But the judge denied their motion completely. So now I get well. I don't have the. I won't call it the opportunity, but I will have the 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 right to 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 tell the jury in 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 trial and and in, at the end of January the story uh, in full without any uh, impediments. 
How do you deal with those sorts of situations where somebody is trying to impeach your credibility or your ability to opine on a specific topic? Uh, Do you have any strategies that you use to uh, deal with being impeached either in a deposition or in front of a jury? Yes, of course. I mean, that happens a lot. Attorneys will try to impeach you, try try to like strike certain things that, that you cannot say or you can say only certain things. But I think the main thing you have to go back to the beginning, go back to discovery, go back to that report, the day you draft in your report. Do you add sufficient amount of back, back information? Do you have any sufficient amount of facts that will, will that paragraph that says, I opine that this is uh, true or this is false or this is, uh, this is infringing on certain things and that, okay, that's because paragraph, N minus one through N minus seven, whatever it was, then have sufficient amount of, of content or meat that you can rely on. Because once they go that day to impeach that paragraph N, you will be no, sir, like you, you have N minus two, this causes part of that, N minus four. So then you will see the, par- and then with those paragraphs, we have links to exhibits, we have links to bait numbers, we have links to things that I have reviewed. And, and, uh, and, and that's, the strategy to get to not get impeached doesn't happen post, happens pre. So when you're writing the report, you're preparing for that. Because once the report is written and once you have supplements, everything has been filed, discovery is closed, there's no way to correct that. You, you can clarify that, but you cannot add any more arguments. Let's talk about your report writing process a little bit. Do you have a, a particular process? Do you like to, you know, storyboard or index things out? Or do you just kind of write from the beginning to the end? How do you like to write a report? I usually do the report writing in a way that I interact with counsel. So I sometimes counsel will send me something and I will be like, look, um, I don't like what it says here. I can, I'm going to rewrite it. It, it. it doesn't fit. Uh, or some of the you know attorneys make it more legalistic, so you need it needs to be more technical than legalistic, and I don't. Uh, that's why I, I think it's a collaboration effort. The best reports I think are the ones that when I draft the first version, I send it back to counsel, and we go back and forth maybe five seven times, and then we have a final version of that. We usually has to be signed, and I'm not kidding to to all the experts out there. Uh, don't be surprised if you're at 11.53 p.m., <laughs> the day of the deadline, and you're still like uh, signing and sending back the same uh, uh, report back to counsel because it happens multiple times that it's like, oh, maybe the client will be like the actual uh, uh, patent owner or like the client in particular cases. I don't like what is phrased here. Can you rephrase it? Or like, I don't like what it says here. Let's. Or, 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 or did you include this in this piece of evidence in your report? So you have all that uh, uh, back and forth with the cost with the client, which is uh, the ultimate uh, plaintiff or defendant, and the attorneys as well. Wow, that's that's really interesting. Um, before we wrap up, do you have? I don't know, a story or two that you can talk about that has kind of either influenced or informed the way in general that you are as an expert witness, either tactics that you use or things to avoid? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, I've been working on, on a project personally. Uh, it's called the PTAP Expert. 
The PTAP expert is basically an AI tool, like a GPT tool that reads all the, the, the pleadings, all the filings in the IPR, uh, uh, in the PTAP uh, court. The PTAP is the, the Patent Trial and Appeals Board, for those who don't know, familiar with that. Those records are open to the public. Anyone can download them. And I have indexed a lot of the files from those records. And the idea with the PTAP expert is that you use machine learning and AI, who will win or who may lose a particular challenge. Now with this knowledge base that is learned, let's, let's say like you can you can tell this this PTAP expert GPT, let's say, hey, um, I have a case on this and that uh, electronic device that is wearable, that is like, I don't know, uh, um, it's a band that I wear, just like, like the magic band from Disney World, for example. And and then um, it will try to identify, okay, based on that, you need a wearable expert. Maybe this is the expert for you. This is the best firm for that particular case. And this is the potential outcome of, of, of based on, on, on data that is from live from, from, from the PTAP database. And ideally, it will be extended that to, to use uh, the Federal Circuit. But the PTAP uh, uh, database is, is open to the public. So the AI and machine learning expertise is, is being uh, gathered by myself right there. And now, uh, and I will start using next year for for some of the cases. Wow, that is absolutely fascinating stuff, Doctor Hernandez. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you, Noah. Thank you for everything. Have a great afternoon and a happy new year to everyone. And thank you to our audience for joining me for another discussion at the roundtable. Cheers. Thank you for listening to our podcast discussions at roundtable. Our show notes are available on our website, roundtablegroup.com. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening apps. 